Welcome to the Buzzed in Baltimore podcast. I am your host, Jess Mayhew. I cover nightlife and spirits for Baltimore Magazine, and this podcast is an extension of that coverage. We talk about bars, drinks, and the people that bring them to you. This is actually episode 20 of Buzz in Baltimore, which I'm really excited about. Um, and we're here at Sagamore Spirit Distillery in Port Covington. I'm joined by Sagamore Spirit President Brian Tracy and Brand Director Rachel Fontana. Um, so thank you guys so much for having me at the distillery today. Thanks for being here. Yeah, thanks for coming. Yeah. Um, so you guys sort of, ha- you know, I, I've talked to a lot of distilleries and, and you guys kind of have a unique history. Um, in that the brand sort of came first, um, and, and maybe you can explain this a little bit better, but the brand kind of came first and then the distillery followed. So how did the idea of adding a distillery into the Sagamore fold come to be? Uh, yeah, the you know, it's interesting. I mean, I think for, I don't know, I can't speak for everybody. So I'll start our preface now by saying everything I say applies to us <laughs> and nobody else maybe. But, uh, you know, for us, you know, obviously you want to have a brand and a story, and and then you kind of go from there and design a distillery or whatever the case may be based on your product output and desires of experience that you want to provide right. for the consumer. Um, but the plan was definitely always day one to have a distillery. Um, but this is actually our fourth location. Okay. So I think like anytime you talk to any of the, the newer distilleries and startups, you find that Finding the location is really difficult. Yeah. And when I first got here, um, if you're ever out on Hall Street, across from Domino's Sugar, Hall in Woodall, there's a little brown building there. That's our original site. Hmm. And so we always talk about Woodall. And when we first got there, it was great. We we're going to do a 500-gallon pot still. And this, we had this whole big idea. And then started going more and more to um, kind of traveling around, talking to other distilleries. Um, learning a lot more from other folks. It's a great thing about this industry. Folks are very open to sharing uh, their lessons they've learned along the way, so we are very receptive to that. Been to Kentucky, learned a lot about the um, the visitor experience, came back to Woodall Street, walked out front, and counted four parking spaces. And so, like, that's going to be really... (laughs) It's not enough room. (laughs) Yeah, like, where's everybody going to go? Yeah. Um, So, um, so, you know... um, it just took us a long time. In the meantime, you know, we're fortunate enough to have a connection with um, Sagamore Farm. So, in a sense, the brand was already in place, which is where Rachel comes in, where she was already, um, where she had was coming from, and helped us get going. So, you know, but I do think often the brand comes, and you know, you have to have a reason and a, and a rhyme and what you're striving for and what you envision and why you're getting into this right. before you can go in and necessarily design your distillery and make whiskey and go, now what do we do with it kind of thing. So, um, but the plan was always, you know, definitely distillery. It just took a long time to find the right location if you're yeah. at exactly what we wanted out of it. There's a lot of red tape when you're dealing with producing alcohol. Um, so <laughs> I Rightfully can, so, but yes. Yeah, I can Even more than that. we thought. And so, Rachel, how did you come into it? Because, so you were with the farm yes, first? exactly. So yeah. I worked for uh, Sagmore Farm. I was a project manager there doing a lot of brand building. We did a lot of different events out at the farm, and we really wanted to make Sagamore Farm and Sagamore Racing Baltimore's third sports team. We've yeah. got the Orioles, we've got the Ravens, and uh, bringing back that horse racing tradition is something that was really important to the farm, and I was really proud to be a part of that. And I was with them for about a year, and then jumped on to the whiskey team when, when Brian came on board, and it's been a pretty wild ride. Yeah, so I remember being, um, 
at the, the opening of the current location where we are now, which we'll get to, but you saying, I remember you talking about you got a phone call from Kevin Blank one day saying, do you want to start this distillery? So, so why was it, uh, why was it rye whiskey? Why was that so important um, to the brand and, and to bring this here? Um, I know it has a lot to do with the, the history in Maryland, but sort of why, why this spirit and, and why this industry? I can. Uh, I know you're looking at me, but I'm looking at Brand <laughs> over there, going, you know. Um, I'll, st- I'll. I will say that uh, for us, you know, we love the history that um, Rye does have here in the state of Maryland. You know, obviously, a lot of states have really good, interesting starts, and and you know, we know Maryland also has a um, a lot of history also with rum and things. So it's, it's exciting. So there's a lot of options. But um, for us, um, whiskey and horses kind of just seemed like a good fit. Maryland had a, a great history of rye. Uh, you know, Kentucky's got bourbon, Tennessee's got Tennessee whiskey, California's got wine. It was just kind of like, it was here, and right. it was just too great to walk away. I mean, if you think about the last real distillery closing its doors in the early 80s, I believe, before kind of this new generation yeah. of, of distilleries came on, and you think about how Maryland rye whiskey has its own identity, it's managed to carry its own identity, and still is a very respected identity and considered a very like highly regarded spirit, even after many years of us no one making it in a sense. Right. You right. know, yes, Heaven Hill continued on with the Pikesville dream, but in a sense, no, nobody was doing it here in Maryland, and obviously we've got a few people doing it now, which is really exciting. Um, but for us, it just I don't know. It seemed like too good of a thing to be to just walk away from. Yeah. And so how did you guys sort of bring yourselves up to speed, you know, learning about the distilling process, learning about rye whiskey history? Was it just like tons and tons of research and traveling? And like, I'd just love to hear about that process. Yeah, it was it was tons and tons of research, as, as you mentioned, and also a, a fair amount of traveling as well. Brian and I spent uh, a lot of time on the Kentucky Bourbon Trail because they do it really well down there. Right. Um, not only from a branding perspective, but from an industry perspective too. And the economic impact that can, that the Bourbon Trail has on Kentucky was something that was really important to us as well to bring to Baltimore. The number of restaurants that open up or that uh, tourists will go to because of the Bourbon Trail. The number of the hotel rooms that are booked for an extra day because people are on the, on the Bourbon Trail. Right. Um, just bringing tourism really back to the area was something that was keen in our hearts as well. So, uh, but in addition... Lots of research, lots of time in the Pratt Library, lots of time at the Maryland Historical Society, and there's such fantastic stories about these great veteran distillers who were using a triple distillation process and using limestone filtered water for fermentation and for proofing, and being able to pay homage to that industry is something that was really important to us. Yeah, and obviously a huge part of whiskey is the aging process, Um, but you guys seem to pretty anxious to put your product out um, even when it you know uh, you wanted to show the public your vision before the, the four years was was up for your aging process um, so talk about your like that decision why it was important even when not you know not everything was being done here you still wanted to sort of give them maybe a preview or a, um, just an idea of what you guys were capable of oh yeah um, <clears throat> it's a uh, you don't have to go to business school it's really it was quite simple for us to say we know by the time we really got things sorted out on where we thought we were going to go and really got the idea of what we wanted to make and the capacity and, and the, the dreams and the vision of long-term goal looking at me, 
that's the thing about whiskey is you literally do have pro formas and you have business plans that are 10 plus years out, which is a little crazy because right. we know right now whatever inventory we have is either too much or too little. But like, you know, you just got to start somewhere. And we knew though that spending four years building and designing a distillery, uh, you know, we started getting very aggressive, uh, uh, you know, started, got our EIN number in 2012, started driving really hard and trying to get a distillery off the ground in 2012, completely scrapped everything in 2013, and completely started everything over again in 2013 uh, from what we kind of started and where we decided we are going to go. And you just look at the timeline to get out in the market and the timeline then to age whiskey, right. and you say, you're really going to spend four years designing and building a distillery and four or five years aging a product and then collect dollar one. Yeah. So for us, we know MGP, LDI, uh, makes great whiskey, probably more known for their rye whiskey than anything. Larry Eversold, who uh, was on the project and still is on the project, it, I kind of consider the godfather of rye whiskey. I think he's distilled more rye whiskey than anybody there is. And he worked at LDI um, for 36 plus years. Master Distiller at 25. Um, we were fortunate enough to get him to join our team, and he still lived 25 minutes from Indiana. He said it's a great place to get started. Yeah. Um, I'm 25 minutes away. I can still go and look at distillate samples, quality batch um, samples, and control. So we love that idea. But we also knew we didn't want to be a, another 95 rye out of MGP. We also know that Maryland um, had a unique style and profile. So thanks to his connections there. We ended up distilling two different mash bills, one that's almost 100% rye, the classic 95.5, and one that's barely a legal rye, about 52%, 53% rye, the rest corn and malt. We age them separately. And so there's a, a blending technique and some things that we managed to do. Um, we love the idea of having multiple mash bills so, so we can have some fun down the road. Um, but, you know, it just, we had to get started. Yeah. And if we're going to spend so much time uh, telling the rye story, which is where our hearts were. Um, we just said, we'll just start with rye. Even, you know, it's kind of our own blend and we'll use the spring water from the farm. Um, yeah, it's not from our distillery, but who didn't get, like, much? Well, there's a lot of people who did, but there's a lot of people who did get started that way. Whether it's Angel's Envy, Whistlepig, High, High West, Smooth Ambler, like, I mean, the list goes on and on and on. Yeah. Saying, like, do you want to get started now and bring in some money? Right. Or do you want to really wait and torture yourself? And so, uh, Indiana seemed like a good fit. You went the non-torture route. <laughs> well, we minimized it. I wouldn't say it was completely right, not there. Right, yeah, we but we're very excited to be here in Maryland and, and now control 100% of production. Um, you know, it'll still be a little while before uh, we have 100% Maryland product out. But um, yeah. So, so what's the timetable on that? When uh, like when can consumers? Is <laughs> that the million dollar question? That is like the million. Yeah. We wish we knew. Like, yeah. You know, it's just like. And we always joke too. The best time to make a 10 year old whiskey was 10 years ago. So right. There's, there's no way to speed up this process. The whiskey's in the barrel now. It's aging. It's yeah. doing what it does, which is sitting in a barrel. Yeah. And when it gets warmer, hopefully soon. Gosh, hopefully soon, that whiskey will seep out into the barrel, and then. And when then it gets it'll colder, be... it'll seep back in, but it's got to do that for a few more seasons before it's ready. Gotcha. We'll get a year down. Yeah. I mean, it feels good to have one year out of the way in the barrel, so, um, 
It's, uh, but it is the million dollar question. It's whiskey is a patient <laughs> process, <laughs> requires. Yeah. But we feel like there's like a little light at the end of the tunnel, so it's exciting. That's cool. You know? And I know that what was really important to you guys, no matter where you were distilling or where you were aging, was using that Sagamore Farm water. So yep. could you tell people why the water is so important and, and um, you know, makes for, for such a great product. Absolutely. So if folks come to the distillery and take the tour, the first thing that they'll see is this really awesome interactive map that we have down in the visitor center. And it shows the 44 distilleries that were in Maryland before Prohibition. And every single one of those distilleries sits on either a creek or a fault line or someplace where they have access to water. And that's because limestone water was so important to these distillers. And we, we knew that and we wanted to do the same. And we're really lucky to have some really unique and fabulous limestone water that comes from Sagamore Farm, and it, it bubbles up from an aquifer underneath the spring house, and all of that is very real. You can go and you can see it, <laughs> and we drive that water down to the farm weekly, and we think it is really great for proofing the whiskey and gives the give all, give all of our whiskeys a really smooth uh, taste profile. And again, that's paying homage to what those traditional distillers were doing as well, and we're really proud to do that. Yeah, and it's nice that that's sort of the one constant throughout mm -hmm. all your products. Exactly, um, exactly. So um, I remember visiting you guys when you were um, in, in City Garage, and there was some, some barrels aging, there was a small bottling line, there was, it was sort of just this like ramshackle yeah. <laughs> uh, mini factory, um, and it just seems like such a far cry from this, this massive distillery that we're in now. So, so talk about just sort of the journey of opening this space and what you guys wanted from this space. Like what was on those, you know, what was on your giant checklist and, and um, what it was like to really see this build out happen. Uh, <laughs> uh, it's, you know, I mean, it's, it, it was a wild experience yeah. and like one that um, I'm really glad I got to be part of. I'm not sure I'd ever want to be part of it again, <laughs> but it, it's, um, it's amazing to go ahead and take an idea and a concept and truly bring it to life. And, and Rachel and I were fortunate enough to be there for the entire journey of that. And there are so many moving parts to literally which way the doors swing out. I mean, the TTB has a say in that. Wow. To all the way from, you know, you know, describing every inch of the building to the TTB and getting this thing up and running. But working with architects, and we had a lot of great general contractors and different folks working on this project. I mean, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people touch this project and it's fun and I'm, and I'm glad they did and we got the chance to, to get to know a lot of them um, but you know for us the goal ultimately um, was to create a destination um, and was to create an experience and in the meantime our goal is to kind of redefine um, how you experience or a distillery a product and, and getting to know people like we have we think great people working here and we're really fortunate enough to have the teammates that we do and we love the idea of folks being able to come in consumers this day and age and rightfully so want to know more and more about the product that they might buy or drink or put in their body or whatever the right. case may be and what better way than to invite them in, indoors and, and let them see everything all the way through meet the teammates that have been here since the beginning or some that are, are just gotten here um, but they get a chance to tell you about what they do and how they contribute what maybe makes our product a little bit different or whatever it may be. So we love the idea of this whole thing coming together and being able to offer that. Uh, we love the idea of the event space out all around us, being on the waterfront. Mm -hmm. um, we love we see people go jogging by, biking by, and then they end up just kind of sitting up on the, the grass and hanging out. 
than sitting in a chair, which is yeah. great. You don't have to come indoors. We love the idea of looking outside, people just hanging out, watching people with their dogs, throwing a frisbee, whatever it may right. be. It's really kind of cool. Yeah. And we love that. The fact that people are just like, I'll just go hang out there. And yeah, you don't have to come indoors. Right. Um, so it's it's great. It's fun. It's, you know, want to be part of the community. Baltimore is extremely important to us. Um, we're very proud to be from Baltimore and proud to be setting up shop here. And so we want to, we kind of look at going to work every single day for um, the city of Baltimore and, and the folks here. And hopefully we make them proud. And, you know, when they travel, they see Sagamore Spirit in another state or something like that. They'll be like, wait, I know those guys. Yeah. Or, I hang out on their lawn sometimes or whatever. <laughs> I've done the tour, you know. Yeah. And so that's, that was kind of it for me. But it was a very long journey that yeah. some days you thought would never really going to end. I bet. Um, I bet. What was the time, like, what was the actual time frame between, like, like, blueprint to breaking ground? Like, how long was it Gosh, the build so take? EIN was 2012, but kind of sort of rehashing the whole distillery plan was 2013, and then we first broke ground, call it August of 2015, mm -hmm. and then opened our doors April 2017. Wow. So it is, it's a long process, and... We, we say as a team all the time, distilleries don't come with directions, so mm -hmm. we're still learning too, and even if you drive by and see a beautiful building on the outside, there's a lot of stuff that goes on the inside. We have over two miles of process piping between the distillery building and the processing building. As Brian was saying, we are distilling almost constantly now, right. and that means that it works most of the time, but some occasionally stuff breaks. <laughs> yeah. We've got really funny stories about uh, one of our distillers who first opened and we first got our grains in and we were milling the grains somebody accidentally put on one of the valves backwards so all of the grain was shooting out instead of oh, shooting in no. and we call him dusty now because he was just covered <laughs> in dust afterward and it was hilarious but it was also like this is a big learning experience yeah. for us and things don't always go as they as they're planned but we are we're working through them and there's a fantastic team that we have here now at the distillery and it's still the same vibe that we had in city garage even though we were only 15 then. Right. So that's pretty cool. Yeah, it's really neat to be a part of. I'll occasionally get out the blueprints still from like Woodall or some of these other places, and you look at them and you're like, oh my lord. <laughs> and there's some things that still like the water tower, we were going to put a water tower there, mm -hmm. things like that. But like, um, we had two places that we did blueprints for. Um, a third one that we never got to that. And then finally, this. And, um, and one of the challenges, too, like having the discipline, because along the way, you start learning more and more, but every change you make delays right. getting this place open. So you want to make changes because you want it for the better, but you're also so anxious to get going, you eventually have to figure out that balance uh, of, your, of your wants or your needs. Yeah. And, uh, um, and they finally got to the point where they just said, you can't change anything anymore. Like, no, that's probably good. Well, and probably, <laughs> probably every change has a ripple effect yeah, that, you, it, that, you'll, that you start to see, and yeah. then you're like, okay, this is affecting a lot of things. Construction is an interesting dance, that's for sure. Yeah. Yeah, they have to go back, see if it's really doable, and if it is, and they come back and say, this is the change, and then will you sign off on this change order? And there is now, there's costs associated with that, and it takes, and it could be one to four weeks later before you get all that information, and you say, yeah, let's do it or no. And then, you know, it's, it's a lot of patience. Um, the folks that worked on this project deserve a lot of credit. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. But um, I, I don't know. We love it. We're really proud of it. And you know, we're really fortunate to come to work here every day. Yeah, it's a really good place to call home. Yeah. There, we have on the wall downstairs Sagamore's Quality and then Sagamore's Family, too. And there's just a great group of teammates here that 
are really hard workers, and that's something that I think is really inspiring to us every day coming into work and really wanting to put Maryland back on the map, and that's really runs in the blood of everybody who's here. That's great. And one of the things that impressed me the most the first time I came here was that beautiful copper pot still. Yeah. Um, so could you talk about the story behind it and sort of its stats? It's pretty impressive, right? Yeah, the, our mirrored finished copper column still. Yeah. Um, it has a name, actually. We named it Penny. Uh, or the, <laughs> the, the fans named it Penny. Yeah. <laughs> and it is the only one like it in the world, as, as we know of. And it's as a really neat story. We opened the distillery in April of 2017, but in July of 2016, we had a still setting. And that's when they drove the still up from Kentucky. Everything that's uh, in our distillery building is made in America, which is really neat. And it's huge. It's 40 feet tall. And they had to take a huge crane and lift it in and sort of thread the needle through wow. the roof. And then build the rest of the building cool. around it because it's such a massive piece of equipment. And that was, that was pretty neat to watch. I think there's one or two guys in all of America who have the skill set to be able to do that. And one of them was hanging out with it, it's hilarious awesome. though because you're thinking like, oh my gosh, this guy's gonna take this off the back of the truck, swing it up, and then you know this is gonna be a half a day project. And right. It is like a three minute ordeal. The guy <laughs> is like that good. He just yeah. just picks it up, puts it up over the top. Bunch of folks help kind of guide it in. It comes mm -hmm. down. You sit it. Definitely make sure it's plumb. Right. And then uh, <laughs> yeah. and then and then bolt it down. And yeah. I was like. That, that was just a little happened. faster that than just I happened. Yeah. <laughs> so. That's amazing. Penny, I like that she's a she, too. That's, yeah. that's, that's pretty cool. Um, so you guys currently have four whiskeys available, is that correct, on the market? Okay. Um, so you obviously have your, your Sagamore Spirit rye, um, sort of your, your flagship, I would say, right? Signature 83, yes. Um, your cast strength rye, um, which I know I saw is an award winner. Uh, recently, right? Yeah, won yeah. double gold at the San Francisco Spirits Competition. That's awesome. Congratulations, guys. Um, uh, the double oak rye and then the Moscato barrel finished whiskey. Um, so can you talk about sort of each of these varieties and why you chose the traje trajectory for each of them and um, sort of just take me through? Um, sure. Um, naturally, I'm... Uh, uh, I have to do this. I've plugged. They're all award winners, actually. Yeah. Which is that's exciting. true. That's true. Double gold. <laughs> but double gold in San Francisco is pretty special. Yeah, that's pretty yeah, cool. Yeah, we, we're, we're stoked on that one. Actually, one that I still love to this day, too, is um, the 83 on the Sips International. It's like, I think, like 300 consumers, blind tasting, and it got platinum, the highest rated um, uh, rye whiskey out of everybody there. Wow. And so, to me, the, the, the consumer, and that's kind of what this this product was built for is is a lot of, you know the industry folks straight to cask almost every time and so you we kind of look at it as we have two typically two types of whiskey drinkers we feel we have some that prefer a lower ABV which is the 83 proof which we like and we they would did that on purpose if you look at a lot of the traditional old-school Maryland rise they were either 80 or 86 proof so mm -hmm. we kind of split it in the middle there um, and uh, some folks like to have a couple cocktails a night um, some people might be newer to the category or newer to rye, newer right. to whiskey. So it's a very approachable, which we uh, think Maryland rye whiskey was, a very approachable, easy to drink rye whiskey. Um, and so it's very popular with the consumer. It is really a very, very large percentage of our sales um, is the 83. And so that was our first one, a classic really kind of jumping off point. Um, but we also know there's a lot of folks that prefer a very robust, um, kind of 
the more of the enthusiast um, and the whiskey drinkers who've been at it for a while, a lot of the folks in the industry naturally, uh-huh. um, like the Casco, we kind of have the anchor on the other side of right. it. So that varies a little bit batch to batch, usually around an average of about 112, 113. Um, and so we kind of have, the, we feel the two ends of the spectrum. And what's interesting is it's the same blend in both of the high and the low rise. It's just a difference of spring water, but they are drastically different. And it's fun being in our tasting rooms, uh, the distillery here, you know, and listening to the folks at the end of the tour and their feedback on their products. It's so important. And it's amazing how, you know, they're usually, there's, they're never on the fence. They're on one or the other kind of thing, you know, and that's why you end up having multiple products, right? The consumer base and the palates are definitely different. So we're excited about that. Um, and then like uh, most people too, you know, uh, innovation is super important. Um, we want our team to have fun and to be creative. And so we don't know of too many, if any at all. There's probably somebody out there, um, but um, that has done a double oak rye. And so we thought it'd be really fun to take our rye and do a double oak. And we did, um, we even changed up the mash bill blend a little bit on this one. Uh, and then we used a really kind of cool barrel we call a wave stave, where you cut um, grooves down the inside of the staves, so you get a tremendous amount more surface area, really pick up um, some enhanced flavors, but because you have all these grooves, hence the groovy whiskey, you can <laughs> also, uh, you can't do a heavy char, mm. because you would just cook them right off. Right. So we do a really heavy toast, light char number one. So you get this really cool toasted, oaky, experience with that it's 96 proof um and we're, we love that one as well it's very different than the rest and then uh then the team drove all up and down in our box truck sourcing some barrels sticking their nose in so many different barrels uh and finally came up with some barrel source from portugal uh, muscatel again like you just don't really know too many whiskeys no less rye whiskeys yeah. finished in muscatel barrels and I had so, never tried it before. I had it over at Rye Street. Oh, cool. Yeah, yeah. And, and Did you like it? Yeah, I did. I liked it. So I'd add the double oak and the mm-hmm. muscatel back to back, and I, I like the double oak a little bit better, but I, I thought the muscatel was really interesting. It was very unique. Yeah. Very unique. Yeah. And, and, like, and people find that's, that's a reaction like, wow, I've never had anything like this before. Right. And that's something we try and deliver a little bit throughout. I mean, you can't do it with every um, line extension, but... Um, you know, it, it was fun. It's different. Probably can never do it again. Sourcing barrels from um, Portugal and so forth is never easy. But again, we had never really seen that done before. Maybe it has been, but we hadn't seen that done with a rye at least. Um, and we thought it was really fun and different in the typical fortified wine experience. Um, it was just something fun and different. And yeah. so, you know, um, gives the team something to do. Uh, you know, besides, you know, your core two, which is great, but you have to, um, they're, they're a very creative group, and we're not going to hold them back. <laughs> right. So do most of the ideas come from the team with collaboration? Like, how do, you know, how does it, how does that kind of brainstorming happen? Trust. Lots of trust. Yeah. Lots of teamwork. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And just trying new things. And that's the thing with whiskey and what we've said about the distillery, too, that doesn't come with directions. You, you can put a whiskey in a barrel for four years and dump it out, and, you know, it might not taste as good as you want it to. Right. But you've got to take those risks, and that's something that... I think the team here is really good at doing. Um, you know, we're we pride ourselves on being risk takers, and we want to be history makers too. So that's, that's what you got to do sometimes. 
That's awesome. Um, so if you guys, do we want to like sample as we talk about, I was going to ask yeah, you guys about sample, yeah. <laughs> sort of, they have presented this lovely, I was telling them this is the most like lovely sample presentation I've ever seen. It looks, it looks beautiful. I'll take a picture of it. Um, so I wanted to, as we go, maybe you guys could talk about your personal favorites. I know it's like probably choosing your children or something, <laughs> but we could go through and just say sort of what you guys prefer or how you like to drink each one maybe could be a way to go about it too because I feel like the 83 is, is great in certain cocktails um, yeah so we could just yeah, go down the line start with 83 okay 83 over there too. So this, is, this one that's your 83 so this is me here yes so again this is a blend of two different mash bills that high rye mash bill and the very barely legal mash bill that Brian was mentioning aged for four years and then proofed with the Sagamore Farm spring water I really enjoy this uh uh, in a American Sagamore Mule, so that's like ginger beer and lime juice. It also makes a, like a really great old-fashioned. Um, yeah. It stands up well in a cocktail. And again, like we were talking a little bit about, about earlier, this is a great whiskey for both someone who is maybe a new whiskey drinker, but also somebody who's not and doesn't just want to have one cocktail, that 112 proof, wants something that, yeah, maybe I'll have two old-fashions throughout the course of the night. This is a great option for, right. um, for a responsible drinker. Which we always <laughs> of course, of course, and I think I think what's interesting about it is um, because of the the mash bill, it, it is a little bit sweeter than maybe what people think of traditional yeah. rye to be, um, and I think that's nice because you could have a bourbon drinker really like this or a rye drinker really like this. It yeah. sort of has qualities of both, and um, and it's interesting that you'd say traditional rye too, and that's what we've. We've heard a lot, and we've tried to do some research on as well. What really was that traditional right. Maryland style right. rye, and that's something that we're really after. And what we've seen is that it does have a little bit more corn in it, so we do want to bring out those sweeter taste profiles mm -hmm. and be honest on, on what that Maryland style rye tasted like before prohibition. Then we hope we've done it justice. Yeah, I should say, I guess, what people might have in their idea, totally. like their head of what rye is. Yeah, um, yeah. but it's cool to think this is probably maybe more closely related to what, what Marilyn Rye was um, in the history books. So that's kind of cool. Yeah. I mean, it's we listen to the consumers as, yeah. as much as we can. I mean, it's certainly industry folks as well. Um, and uh, we, we sample a lot of people. Um, I mean, that's how you get brand awareness. Obviously, everybody's doing it, uh, whether it's at some of these fun things that the guild might put together, right? Um, or you just had a liquor store on Friday evening trying to say, "Hey, I'm with Sagmore, try it," you know. <laughs> and um, it's really fun to listen to what people's feedback is. And typically, with this, the signature '83, you're going to hear people go, "Whoa, that was that was really uh, pleasantly easy to drink and, and smooth and I was surprisingly say, people good." People must say smooth all the time. Yeah, <laughs> and, and then somebody, uh, you know, you'll, you'll kind of size them up a little bit and say. Do you normally drink whiskey? If you do, what kind do you like? Do you like Irish whiskey? Do you normally? Mm -hmm. And you, and then, if not, then we'll try you. And if they say, oh, I, I love, I drink a lot of, you know, whiskeys and so forth, you kind of like, maybe I should just go straight to cask for you. Right. But I, I, right. I, I like to kind of take them through the journey. So we usually um, put them on an 83, and they'll say, oh, yeah, not too bad. And then, uh, and then you put them on the cask, and be like, wow, mm -hmm. that's crazy, and that's really easy to drink for. For being the, or proof, the proof that it is. is. Yeah. So, again, you know, one of the reasons we have the two ends of the spectrum. But um, you know, yeah, I think for me it changes how I, which ones I like to drink. A little bit to do with weather, 
little bit to do mm. with mood, yeah. Yeah. Um, a little bit to do whether I have to make the cocktail or not. Right. Sometimes when I get home, <laughs> it's easier to just, drive yeah, or not? yeah, exactly. Yeah. So there's all sorts of things. Like you end up in a really, um, like, you know, if I go to, and there's a lot of them here in Baltimore, but a place that, you know, kind of knows how to make a good cocktail, like I'm going to have to make a good cocktail. Right. You know? Right. Um, if I'm at home. It'd just be easier to put it on a cube. Yeah, <laughs> right. Do I feel like dealing with bitters and muddling so, yeah, right now? Totally. Yeah. But you never pass up on uh, a great bartender. Oh, no. Definitely know? not. And it must be nice for you guys to have Rye Street Tavern just across the lawn for sort of that kind of field work and listening to customers. And um, I'm sure you get a lot of feedback there as well. I do. There's yeah. nothing still better than just ever. You need to be try and go as many places. Yeah. It's tough. Yeah. We remind ourselves that every now and then we got to get up and get out of these doors. Yeah. Because um, you get so bogged down at a computer, unfortunately, every now and then. But, um, but um, you know, Annapolis, D.C., whatever it may be, um, there's so much different insight. It's really good to get out. Yeah. No, that's great. Um, so we can try the, the cask strength maybe yeah. next. Um, got that there. So the cask is the third whiskey that folks taste in the tasting room when they do the tour of the distillery and it is paired with a local uh, chocolate that's infused with Sagamore rye. The reason that we do that is because we get a lot of chocolate and cocoa notes from the cast strength which are really really nice especially in the chillier months and it's a you can make a great cocktails with the cast strength as well. A Manhattan and Old Fashioned, the Boulevardier is really nice with the cask. But if you oh, just yeah. want to drink it on the rocks, too, it's pretty good. Those cocoa notes definitely come mm-hmm. through now, especially that you, you say that. Yeah. Um, no, the cast the cast strength is great. Um, I definitely agree. I think this is just, like, nice on the rocks, and you don't really have to add much to it. Yeah. Um, sort of its own cocktail, which is really nice. Um, and I And you guys are, like, like Brian said, you guys are always out at events. I know you're really active in the Maryland Distillers Guild. Um, you've done events, you know, with with Baltimore Magazine, I see you at uh, whiskey events at Hopkins, and I feel like you're very hands-on, and, you know, there, there could be other companies where maybe the president and the director aren't always, always there, but it is, it is really cool to see you guys being so involved and talking to consumers one-on-one, and um, I'm sure that's good R&D for you guys, but mm-hmm. I think it's, you know, I think it helps the c- consumers to see sort of the, the faces of the company at these events, too. I feel a little guilty. We're actually skipping a guild meeting right now. I know. Well, I, I feel really guilty. <laughs> Sorry, but Jamie. We're like, uh, we love the guild, but this is a great opportunity. Yeah. Gonna, um, Just know. tell Jamie it's my fault. Uh, Hopefully yeah. she'll understand. For sure. But I know, I know you are, you know, pretty good about making those pretty regularly. And, and, I love going. Yeah. Um, you know, it'd be great to if the guild kind of got together more often every now and then, maybe just at a happy hour. Yeah, you know? yeah. So, like, mm-hmm. um, it is filled with wonderful, amazing people doing wonderful, amazing things. Um, and uh, it's neat to get together every now and then. Um, and, you know, there's some things that we all would like to see hopefully get better for us in the industry. Right. And no one's going to do that um, alone, strength in numbers. Yeah. So, um, but Kevin Addicts and his team, oh, yeah. a lot of credit. And of course, like I said, Jamie and, and um, the folks that are kind of helping really facilitate it as well from the distillery side, is, uh, they deserve a ton of credit. Have you been down in Annapolis at all for the latest round of bills? Or are you guys, yes, <laughs> Rachel, Rachel's <laughs> nodding for the record. Um, I know that breweries have been fighting a similar fight, but I know there's also a lot of um, bills on the docket 
that relate to uh, distilleries and, and tavern licenses and that kind of thing. So, right. where are you, where you know, how do you guys sort of feel about that, and where are you hoping it, it goes? Ryan can probably speak to it a little bit better than me, but I know we're really eager to give as many opportunities to guests as we can when they come to the distillery. We'd love to be able to offer cocktail samples, for example. Right. Um, and of course, don't want to usurp any of that. Um, those funds from restaurants, but just being able right. to offer that as an, um, a, a really fun opportunity for guests, especially in the summer, be able to come out here yeah. on the waterfront. I know there are some other great local distilleries who are, are doing great things too to bring the community together, and being able to have that as an option for all the local distilleries would be really incredible. Yeah, and I don't think, you know, as a consumer, I don't think a distillery or brewery experience will ever replace a restaurant or bar exactly. experience. I think they're two separate things. I think they actually enhance each other. Um, when I've been reporting about this issue, I've been really neutral, but, you know, I I think that there's room for everybody, and um, it's just, it's been interesting to see, you know, people fighting the good fight, and mm-hmm. Peter Franjo continuing to come out for a lot of people, yeah. um, and, and I think you're right. I think having the, you know, the option to maybe have small cocktails at a distillery would, would even enhance that experience. Right, um, right. Because a lot of people for whiskey, there's still a, a big fear around drinking whiskey. Mm. And uh, I co-run the Women Who Whiskey Baltimore yeah. chapter, and that's what we find with a lot of women who are just like, you know, I'll stick with my vodka soda because I, I know it and I'm familiar with it. And then right. we can transition them into a signature 83, for example, in a Maryland Mule. It's like, oh, this is actually pretty good. Yeah. Now I know how to order it. And so being able to offer people that opportunity to try whiskey not neat, which is scary. I mean, that's yeah. a, it can be high proof. It's a flavor maybe you're not used to. Right. But putting it together with some more fruit forward cocktails can be a great entryway. Yeah, it makes it a little less intimidating. Do you think it's the fact, do you think it's the brown liquor sort of connotation that scares people? Do you think it's just uh, they have a certain idea in their heads, you know, bad night in college? Like what? Could like, be a bad college experience. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. There's a Yeah, I don't know. We can get that around. But I mean, tequila certainly. Uh, uh, yeah. but, that has its own uh, hurdles yeah, too. Like, so I mean, I don't know. Some, some of these things are self-inflicted and yet right. we won't let go. And we want to blame the spirit for maybe a, maybe a poor choice on our end at some point. But, right. uh, um, but you know, there's a reason why there's so many different spirits out there. Um, and you also see so many different spirits being made here in Maryland is because there's a lot of different wants and needs and palates, and it's exciting. Yeah, for sure. So speaking of, the Double Oak has its own... Um, you know, unique flavor, and yeah. it was really cool to hear about the process with the the barrels. I didn't I didn't know about the grooves, and yeah. that explains a lot because I remember um, trying it over there, and really, I feel like you get um, vanilla flavor if I'm correct, and yeah. um, that makes a lot of sense because it's right it's right up in there. So it's one of the things that we really take pride in our barrels is um, is a not only the, the length and the seasoning of the staves, but mm-hmm. the the toasting. Uh, we just don't go straight to a char, the toasting makes a huge difference. And that's also why we don't go to a char four, because if you're gonna char four, you'll burn through and you'll burn through the toast and then the toast is wasted. Yeah. And so, but these toasts on barrels, um, and there's so many different ways and so many different ways we can have fun with whiskey, whether it's length and fermentation, different yeast strains, different grains, different seasoning, but your wood plays such an important role too. And we see it here in the double oak, it tr- makes it a, just a totally different experience, and it's it's I don't know this one is fun and uh, it's, yeah, it came and went and we kind of like I ran out and bought a couple bottles last minute for my home I'm like oh my god this this dawns on you all of a sudden like 
really? This is it? Like, you, yeah. think, you, know, like, you think, well, we'll make more. And they're like, we'll have to think about that. This You're like, like, maybe like, not, though. Yeah, and like, I'm going to have to snag some for myself. Yeah, so, <laughs> right. Um, so, no, this is delicious. I mean, to me, this is this is my favorite of the, the three we've had so far. I think it takes, you know, sort of that original mm-hmm. um, recipe, but it just, it adds just like that hint of sweetness. There's a little bit of spice in there, too, that I think rye drinkers what I think yeah, of as rye yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, like, mm-hmm. yeah. would really appreciate that little, there's a little pepper note yeah. um, that's really nice. So one of my favorites for sure. Um, so we have the, <laughs> we have mm-hmm. the last, um, the last one that I know you said isn't out yet or it's is it a mystery? Okay. A it's a mystery. Secret, it's a mystery. <laughs> some secret sauce, if you will. Oh, geez. Okay. Yeah. I'm very excited. Yeah. This... There was just this one mystery shot glass with no bottle attached to it. So I wasn't <laughs> sure what it was. So we, with it, the team's constantly having fun and, and trying new things. Um, this is one they, um, they're proud of. Uh, it is at a lower proof than we would actually bottle it at if we decide to go forward with it. Uh, that's just kind of, team when they do tastings a lot of times we do proof everything down to typically um, 40 ABV even uh, so your, your your palates don't get burned out throughout the day right um, so this is I think though this is um, excuse me not 40 20 ABV 40 proof yeah. this is actually at 40 ABV 80 40 proof ABV, yeah. um, but we know we can bottle it higher than that but this is a, a whiskey we've taken and we've done a um, taken a blend of our two mash bills and then finished it in um, some fun little barrels. Okay. Mm-hmm. So this is like maybe getting released, you're not sure? Maybe, or yeah. We feel like it's probably going to, but it probably will be very limited in Maryland only. Oh, nice. Wow, that's definitely very smooth. Yeah. 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 It's, that's like very easy drinking. Good. For sure. Yeah, so we'll ramp up the proof a little bit. Not yeah. that we don't want easy drinking, but we'll <laughs> put a little bit more behind it. Right, too. right, right. No, it's it's got some really nice some nice notes to it for sure. It's been fun to see the distillers super pumped about it too and trying out not only different proofs but different mash bills. Brian mentioned a few barrels, so you know the ratio of barrels and blending it and it really does become an art. You don't just dump a barrel into a bottle and call it a day. So yeah, they've been having a lot of fun with it, a lot of experimentation. This is this is great. Um, do you so you guys just said your favorites depend on your your mood. You're not willing to. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. Like you said, I think you said it well when you said like it's like picking a, a favorite child. <laughs> yeah. So fair, um, fair enough. I really do appreciate them all. And um, do you have anything you want to talk about as far as future plans for Sagamore? Whether it's releases, events, um, anything you guys are just really excited about? Yeah, well, we're coming up on one year here at the distillery. Nice. So April 2018, we're gonna have an event. It's April uh, 21st and 22nd. Okay. That weekend, Saturday and Sunday, our one-year anniversary anniversary party. We'll have food and cocktails and um, uh, outside here. Outside, yep. Nice. Live music, and that'll be really fun. We're really excited to have been here for a year to be able to welcome the neighborhood and the community back to the distillery, and would love to get as many folks here as possible. That's awesome. Yeah. Does it feel like it's been a year here? Has it flown by? or what's the? It's like by. either a decade or a, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> or really a second. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Uh, and then you guys do other fun stuff, too. I mean, I, I you guys do yoga and so forth. I can't touch yeah. my toes, so I'm not going to go there. But like. We do. We have whiskey and yoga on Sundays. We're also partnering with Inline Fitness, and a website will be here Sunday, April 22nd. 
Um, with bikes? Um, with bikes, oh, yeah. Wow. We're doing a little waterfront spin. That's awesome. Yeah, and you get some whiskey afterwards. So. Nice. <laughs> yeah, I was so bummed because I uh, made the reservation to do the yoga and whiskey thing and then, you know, screwed my leg up or whatever. But um, that's all, I've heard great things. A lot of my friends have gone and, and loved that experience. Um, so you can feel a little healthy and then a little, you know, <laughs> sinful just, afterwards. Yeah, a little uh, Just little have a little fun. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's a very balanced Sunday, though. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's cool about RevCycle. You said that was in April? That's April 22nd. Yeah, that Sunday. I think we're going to have three classes in the morning and then do a tour of the distillery afterward. Oh, fun. But it's going to be a busy weekend for you guys. With the... That's how we like it. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then for people that just want to come by, you know, just on a normal weekend, like what kind of... What's the, you know, tours like and tastings? Yeah. How does all that work? So one more thing to add, too. We'll be yeah. doing, we'll be returning back to our Whiskey on the Waterfront. Um, oh, so yeah. just music, um, one one Saturday every month or so. Mm-hmm. Um, so follow us on Facebook and all the natural social handles and mm-hmm. so right. forth. Um, or join our Whiskey Thieves program. But um, Oh, yeah, you guys really can talk fun. about Whiskey Thieves. That's kind of a cool thing you, you Yeah, do. that is. It's a fun little... You sign up to become a, one of our whiskey thieves, and we typically like this release. They will see the product name, and sometimes you get a chance to truly sample it before anybody else. Um, they find that we typically try and give them information before anybody else gets it, mm-hmm. and so um, give them a little bit of an advantage. We spite, invite them to a lot of special different events, um, and of course, with uh, whiskey on the waterfront, just fun neighborhood kind of thing. We, we music's out front. Just come hang out on the lawn again. Just have fun in the sun. Bring your dog and your frisbee. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Uh, So, yeah, so lots of good stuff happening there. And then, of course, we do run our tours seven days a week. Um, And uh, we do, especially on weekends, highly recommend uh, booking in advance. Yeah. And so you can book online in advance. Awesome. Yeah, it's a great tour. The tour's about an hour long. You get to learn all about the limestone water that we talked about today. You get to see the fermentation process in action see the distillation process in action, go down to the bottling line, yeah. to bottle your own bottle, which is pretty cool. That's um, awesome. One thing that we have on our bottles here are batch labels, so mm-hmm. the quality control that goes into each and every bottle uh, is really premium here at Sagamore, and every bottler gets to sign their name on That's it. That's so, really cool. Yeah, when you talk about City Garage, too, we sort of created this uh, accidental scavenger hunt, too. We had some friends and family bottling when we first launched our signature 83 and so everybody signed their name on the batch labels and then ran to their nearest liquor store to see if their bottle was there and that's so fun had all of these retailers giving us a call like i've had to open every single box of sagamore that i had here to see if i had any rlc bottles it's like finding the golden ticket exactly. or something yeah exactly. oh that's awesome well thank you guys so much for taking the time to you know talk to me today and have me at the distillery and pour the samples and try a secret product this this has been really cool and um it's been so fun to know you guys since since city garage and and now here and um see everything that you have to offer so i really appreciate your time thank you always good seeing you yeah thanks